Yeah. yeah, it's great. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> so, so the way that begins is it says Jesus had to go through Samaria. He had to make this journey to this place to meet this woman. And then when he met her, he saw her and he listened to her and he knew her journey, where she had been. And when she collided with Jesus, her journey shifted. Her story was different. And then she went and told everybody else about it. See, what, what we're doing in this launch team phase is we're saying, how do we journey with Jesus so that our story is forever different? Because look, you've been coming to church. And, and maybe when you first started coming to church, your life shifted. It was on a different uh, pro- projection because you bumped into Jesus. But I wonder if maybe you've settled a little bit or maybe you've gotten stagnant or things. And so now we're in this process of starting something brand new, going on this adventure. And my hope is that as we're in this process together, you're starting to do some things you've never done before. You're starting to see some things you've never seen before. And just like this woman, when she collides with Jesus, she goes and tells everybody she knew. And they came and they found hope in Jesus. And he changed the path that they were on. And so next week, as we continue to talk through these values that we have as a church, and we're going to start tonight, uh, my hope is that you'd bring some people to come be part of this adventure that we're all on together. And the way that we'll bring people, the reason is because your life is getting better because of this, because you're hearing this and implementing it and living it and letting it shape who you are into a person you never thought you could be, into somebody more like Jesus. So tonight we're talking about our values, um, and it's called the journey way. And this is just how we do it, right? It's like maybe you'd say in your family, uh, so it, we might say this is the Davis way, or uh, at your company, maybe say this is the Bismarck way. I don't if your company's called Bismarck or whatever, but this is just how we do things. This is who we are. This is how we operate. These are the mindsets we have. And I sent you um, a... Uh, an image of the journey way with our values so that you could use that as a, as a uh, screen for your phone. And I wonder as you look through those values, which one stood out to you without any context behind it or anything, just reading it, which one stood out to you most? Which one do you like the most and why? <clears throat> you have memorized them, haven't you? <laughs> Come on. This is why I gave it to you so you can put it on your phone so you can remember them. <clears throat> What's that? Real is all we know? Yeah. We bring it. I like it. We be what we want to see. Oh, I think I texted it to everybody. Yeah, I think I texted it to everybody. Yeah. We recklessly run toward and with Jesus. Yeah. What's that, Donna? That one? That's what we're talking about tonight. Yeah. That's going to be next week. You didn't get it? Okay. 
<laughs> I'm pretty sure I sent it to you. <laughs> Yeah. Huh. All right, we'll double check your number later. Okay. I know, right? <laughs> that showed up yet, but they're like, thanks. <laughs> yeah, anyone else favorite? Gratitude is our middle name. Gratitude is our middle name. It's good. So each week we're going to go over one of these values. We're going to dive into it and talk more about it. And the idea with these values is um, this needs to become who we are so that it's reflected in the culture of our church. Um, somebody asked me this week, they said, if, if we were Zooming our uh, launch team meetings, they said, no, we're, we're not going to do that. Like, you got to show up live and in person. Uh, one is, well, one is so that you can get to know the people who are part of the launch team because the church is the people, not a place. Um, and it's only by showing up and meeting people that you'll get to know um, that Bush was Brian's favorite concert and that Joe was the bodyguard for Dorothy at a Nine Inch Nails concert so people wouldn't mosh into her. And it's only by showing up that we get to know one another and build relationships with one another and talk with one another. So, so the revolution will not be Zoomed. <laughs> the revolution is live, and you got to show up and be part of it. And that's why I encourage you, you got to make this a priority week in and week out. So if you're tired, get some sleep another time. Get some coffee and you drink a monster. If you are coming from the mountains, you rush like <laughs> Sophie did to get here barring all speeding tickets if you live in Portsmouth you come through the tunnel and pay the toll to make it like Ashley if you got some packing to do because you're flying out to Texas tomorrow for church planning assessment you figure out like we are you got you got to figure out another time to pack and not this time you got to make this a priority the revolution will not be zoomed that's the first thing but the second thing what we're doing now is we're creating the culture of who we're going to be as a church. See, in March, we're going to have a grand opening, and people are going to come and experience this church that is the journey. And um, what they're going to experience is everything we're working on here and now. We're laying the groundwork now for who we're going to be. And so those of you who are part of the launch team, you're in on the groundwork of becoming this now. As we talk through these values, as we talk through everything that we're talking about in these launch team meetings, this is for you to then take and begin to implement and live out in your life and become this so that when we invite people to come be a part of this in March, they're going to experience something real and authentic. We're not just talking about something we'd like to be, but we're talking about who we are and who we're going to be so that we can live that in March when people come and experience this church. Um, so, uh, for those who have, who have said, uh, I'll, come in, I'll come when you guys have a grand opening, that's totally fine. I've told them that's okay. But the thing is, we're going to invite you to come be a part of this movement. And so, why wait till then to be part of the movement when you can be the movement here and now? 
and that's what we're doing. We're being what we want to see. That's a value for another time. But tonight I want to talk to you about uh, we recklessly run toward and with Jesus. You know, you know, everything is moving, right? I mean, everything is moving. Everything is in constant motion all the time. I mean, th- this planet that we live on right, right now is in motion. It's moving. It's spinning at a thousand miles an hour. That's 16 miles a minute. Like this, this planet is just whirling around at breakneck speed and we don't even feel it, but it's moving. And then it's hurtling through space at a pace of 67,000 miles an hour. It's almost a thousand miles a minute that we are just rotating around the sun like traveling through space. And we don't even feel it, but we're, we're, we're going at breakneck speed right now. And then here, here on this planet, I mean, there's, there's the waters and, and the seas that are ebbing and flowing. And there's tides, high tide and low tide. And, and the seas are constantly moving in and out. And it's all because they have a relationship with this rock that's 240,000 miles away that's also rotating around our planet at 2,288 miles an hour. Like the seas here on earth are moving because of this rock that's located way out there rotating around our planet. That's the moon, of course. Like everything is in motion. Everything is moving. Everything, everything. Like even uh, the atoms that make up who you are are vibrating right now. They're in constant motion. The molecules that make up everything, even solids, even the wood and these beams, it's vibrating, it's moving. Everything around us is moving. And then there's time. Time is constantly moving. It's marching forward every second. Tick, 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 tick. Time is constantly, everything is moving. And then there's some things that move only in one direction. So the earth rotates counterclockwise. Time moves forward, never back. But then there's things uh, like bishops move diagonally, only diagonally on a chessboard. Rooks move only horizontally, up, down, left, right on a chessboard. But then there's things like the queen that can move up, down, left, right, diagonally, one space at a time, multiple spaces at a time. And what I've come to discover is that you and I are a lot like the queen on the chessboard because we can move in all sorts of directions, right? Like we can creep forward slowly and make progress in our life. We can run at breakneck speed backwards and do damage in our life. We can, we can stay stagnant right where we are, but we're constantly moving because the atoms inside of us are vibrating. And so you may feel like you're busy and you're constantly going. And, it's, and, and I did a lot of stuff and I made all this motion, but you're really stagnant in life. You're just kind of stuck. And so we're, we're constantly moving. And the question that I want to ask you is, in what direction are you moving in life right now? Are you moving forward? Are you moving backward? And, and sometimes, sometimes we can jolt forward and then we take a step back in life. 
and then sometimes we move sideways and there's a sideways energy and so we're really moving towards something else but then there's this drama or this thing that somebody said or this bitterness that we hold on to or this thing that we're dealing with in our past and 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 it just kind of causes us to move sideways instead of forward to where we want to go or sometimes we move backwards because somebody said something so we hold this grudge and we and then it eats away at us and we become bitter and and so we have the ability to like time travel in the way that we move or like in the directions that we go we can go forward or backwards or left or right or I wonder for you what direction are you going it's probably all of it <laughs> uh, there's some t- and there's areas in your life where you feel like you're moving forward and you're making progress and then there's other areas in your life where you're like man the dishes are packed in the sink and you feel like you're falling backwards the laundry's piling up, and it's like, I can never get ahead. Maybe it's something in your career, a relationship. You've been dating somebody for so long. you got so much invested. You feel like we've moved so far forward, and yet we're not going anywhere at all. And so you just feel stuck. I wonder, what direction are you moving in? And in what speed are you moving at? See, we have the choice to like run, we have the choice to crawl, we have the choice uh, to walk, we have the choice to stay right where we are. Like in your life, what direction are you moving in? How fast are you going? Mommy, Emmy kissed me on the cheek. (laughs) Emmy kissed you on the cheek? All right. Somebody needs some adult supervision. They are moving forward. Oh, Lord. Russell, I'm going to let you. I'm recording this too, so, you know, we'll put this on, online. I'm not even going to. But I wonder, I wonder at what pace are you traveling and in what direction are you going. And here's the thing. Where you are now is where you've chosen to be. Where you are now is where you've chosen to be. Like, you're not a victim in this. Like, where you are now in life is exactly where you want to be because of the choices that you've made. Now look, there are some things that have happened to you that are outside of your control, you can't, but you get to choose and control how you respond to those things that happen to you. So where you are right now is exactly where you want to be. If you hate your situation in life, the only person you can think is yourself because you put yourself there with the decisions that you've made. You know, you are one decision away from changing where you are right now. You're one decision away from changing where you are right now. It is totally up to you. Depending on the direction you want to run or walk or crawl in, it's totally up to you. And I'm not saying you're going to be where you want to be tomorrow because of that one decision, but the journey to get where you're trying to go begins with a decision and it begins with a step. So I wonder for you, what direction are you traveling in and at what speed are you going in? And wherever you are right now is because you've chosen to be there. You don't have to be there. My hope is that you look at where you are now and you say, I love it. I couldn't imagine being anywhere else. I couldn't imagine doing anything else. And if you look at where you are and you can't say that, 
you got some work to do. You got some steps to take. You got some decisions to make. Because Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And so if you wouldn't describe your life as life to the full, if you would describe your life as just barely making it, hopefully getting there, then you got some steps to take. And what I want to suggest to each and every one of us is that what we do is we decide that we're going to recklessly run toward and with Jesus because he will lead us to the life that we long to live. Um, you know, since the beginning, before human history, God was up to something and he was writing this story. And when human history begins, God invites us into this story. And God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He has a plan and a purpose for my life. And he calls us to be a part of that story. And as we enter into the story he's writing, then we'll live out that plan. We'll live out that purpose. We'll discover the life he's come to bring us, which is life to the full. Now, we can choose to get on board with God's story, or we can choose to write our own story. And there's all kinds of paths that we can take in life. We can choose to write somebody else's story. We can choose to play a, a minor role in somebody else's story. We can choose to play a minor role in our own story. We can choose to play a major role in our story or somebody else's story. Or we can say, God, I want to be a part of your story. Get in on what you're writing. Be about that. So let's go. And as we choose to join in on God's story, he's going to lead us in a certain direction. And then the question becomes, are we willing to follow him? Are we willing to recklessly run toward him and with him or not? And the scriptures are filled with people who choose not to run recklessly toward and with Jesus. And then there's also people who do choose to run recklessly with and toward Jesus. I want to I show you a couple instances. There's this moment before Jesus' ministry even begins, like as it's starting off, Jesus' cousin John, John the Baptist, he sees Jesus and he says out loud, look, it's the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sin of the whole world. Now, if you're trying to grow your own ministry, if you're trying to grow your own following, that's not something that you say out loud to the people who are following you. Because there are some two disciples of John's who hear John say this about Jesus. Look, there's the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the whole world. And they say, all right, John, we're out. We're going to follow him. So they begin to follow Jesus. And here's what happens. It says, when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? And that's not, what do you want? Why are you following me? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you'll see. So they overhear John, the person they're following, say, Jesus is the lamb who's come to take away the sin of the whole world. And they say, we want to recklessly run toward him. They want to know where, where you staying because we want to be wherever you are. And Jesus says, come follow me. And then after that, it says the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said, follow me. Follow me. Not everybody wants to follow Jesus. But Jesus sought Philip out and said, I want you to follow me. And before Philip recklessly runs with Jesus, he says, this is too good to keep to myself. I got to share it with somebody else. So he goes to Nathaniel, 
and he says, Nathaniel, you got to come follow Jesus with me. I'm leaving everything. I'm recklessly running toward and with Jesus. You got to come with me. Nathaniel says, tell me about him. He said he's from Nazareth. And Nathaniel says, Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? No way. He's, he's not worth following. And then Jesus comes onto the scene. And it says, when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said to him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. Nathaniel said, how do you know me? Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. Let me tell you, you'll see greater things than that. Here's Nathaniel hanging out underneath a fig tree. That's his life. Chilling, relaxing, stagnant. Philip finds him. I got a better life for you. I found somebody worth following. Let's recklessly run toward him and with him. And Nathaniel's like, I don't know if I'm down for that. Then Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree. He's like, what? Okay, I want to come follow you. And he said, okay, you're going to follow me. Let me tell you, you're going to see even greater things than you can even imagine. Let me tell you, when we make the decision to recklessly run toward Jesus and with Jesus, it may be a scary decision. It may be a decision filled with doubt. It may be an uncomfortable decision. It will be an uncomfortable decision. It'll be a challenging decision. But when we do, I believe God promises us, you'll see even greater things than you could ever ask or imagine. And you might not be able to imagine that right now because you look at your life and you're like, okay, this is where I am. Let me tell you, God has greater things in store for you than you can ever imagine. God has greater things in store for you than you can even ask, than you even know to ask. But it begins by making the decision to say, I'm going to recklessly run toward you. I'm going to recklessly run with you, God. Not everybody wants to do that, though. Not everybody wants to do that. Some people like to stay underneath the fig tree. Some people like to stay casting nets, catching fish. Some people like to sit at tax collector's booth and collect taxes. See, Jesus came to Peter and he said, Hey, Peter, come follow me. You're catching fish. I want to make you a fisher of people. And Peter drops everything and recklessly runs toward and with Jesus. Jesus goes to Matthew. He's sitting at a tax collector's booth. He said, Come follow me. Matthew leaves the tax collector's booth and he runs recklessly toward and with Jesus. And they do and see greater things than they could ever imagine. Because if they didn't run recklessly toward Jesus and with Jesus, at the end of Peter's life, he'd have back pains from hauling fish. Yeah. At the end of Matthew's life, sure, he might have been rich, but he would have hated himself for cheating people like he was as a tax collector. But because they ran recklessly toward Jesus and with Jesus, he led them on a journey they never would have asked for and they never could have imagined. But it was far greater than anything they could have asked for far greater than anything they could have imagined but like I said there were some people who didn't want to recklessly run toward Jesus and with Jesus uh, there was this time where a rich guy comes up to Jesus and he says uh, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life Jesus said obey all the commandments he said okay I'm already doing that knocking it out of the park what else Jesus said there's something you still lack here's how the interaction goes Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one's good except God alone. 
So I just want to make sure you understand, if you're calling me good, you're calling me God. This is what Jesus is saying to the guy. Hey, good teacher, what do I need to do? Oh, why are you calling me good? Only God is good. So if you're saying I'm good, you're saying I have authority. You're saying I'm God. So now the question is, will you do what God is telling you to do? Are you with me? So when the man comes to Jesus and he calls him good, Jesus is like, no, that's only God. So now what I'm about to tell you comes directly from the mouth of God. You know some people wouldn't do what God told them to do even if it came directly from his mouth. You know, some people have God's word printed in English and show up to church to hear God's word preached and still won't do it. None of us are like that. Okay, that's other people. But why do you call me good? No one's good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your mother and father. Teacher, he declared, he declared. By, by the way, and maybe here he says teacher, earlier he said good teacher, after Jesus says, you know, only God is good, now he's like teacher. So he's kind of like, okay, maybe, maybe you don't have that kind of authority, right? Like, I don't know if I really want to hear what you have to say. He's a teacher, I've kept all those since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him. And loved him. He looked at him and loved him. Because you know some people, you just got to look at them and love them. Amen. <laughs> you, just, you just bless your heart. Amen. You know, you just got to, okay. He said, he said, I've kept all of them since I was a boy. I've done everything. I'm perfect. I'm good to go. And Jesus looked at him and just, oh, bless you, loved him. Because he didn't know what he didn't know. And so Jesus is about to tell him what he's really missing. He says, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. And at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. He comes to Jesus saying, good teacher. Jesus says, hey, I just want you to know if you're calling me good, you're saying I'm God. Okay, well, maybe you're not God then. Teacher, what must I? He diminishes in his own mind the power and the authority of Jesus. Okay, maybe you're not. I wonder if we ever diminish in our own mind the power and the authority of God in our life. And it's because we do that that we justify some of our actions, that we justify some of the crappy decisions that we make. Teacher, he says, sell everything and follow me. The guy went away sad because he had a lot of money and he didn't want to do it. Jesus calls him to do something reckless. Sell everything you have. But wait, what about my 401k? What about my investments? What about the inheritance I'm going to leave? What about saving for a rainy day? What about That's reckless. To say sell everything you have and follow me? I'm not telling you to do that. 
I don't even think Jesus is telling you to do that. Now, if he does tell you to do that, the question is, would you? Because sometimes he calls us to do reckless things, and you need to make sure that it's from Jesus. Yeah. That it's not the burrito that you had last night or the, <laughs> something like that. But like, you need to know that it's coming from God. Sometimes he calls us to do reckless things, and the question is, would you do the reckless thing Jesus is calling you to do if you knew he did it? Again, I'm not asking you to do that, and I don't think Jesus is asking you to do that. But there was a time um, where we took an end-of-year offering at our church, and I felt like God was calling me and Irene to give everything in our checking account and our savings account and our emergency fund. And so we did. We took everything down to zero, and we gave for that offering. I'm not saying you have to do it. I just felt like that's what God was calling us to do. And the question we had to answer is, were we willing to do it? We did, and we're still alive. And it increased our faith when we did it. It was a reckless thing, but I believe God was calling us to do it, so we did. And then there was this time, <clears throat> Jesus has his disciples feed 5,000 men, yeah. not to mention women and children. So maybe 15, 20,000 people there, they got two fish, five loaves of bread, and the disciples go and they feed all these people. And then after that, uh, Jesus gets into this boat with his disciples and they go to the other side of the lake. Um, they go over to um, uh, Capernaum. And so it's about a, a four-mile boat ride to get where they're going. And so they go there. And then this crowd of thousands of people realize that Jesus has left and they're hungry again. They're like, we need to eat. Let's go find him. So what they do is they commandeer some ships and they sail over to Capernaum where Jesus is to find him. And then when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And then they asked him, well, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he sent. So they asked him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you. What will you do? Well, our, man, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it's not Moses who's given you the bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that came down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Essentially the crowd is saying, Hey, we know that you said the way to eternal life is to follow you and believe in you, but can you give us a sign to confirm that? And we know the perfect sign. Give us this bread from heaven. We're hungry again. These people are just looking for a free meal. And then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You don't want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. 
Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. See, when it comes to recklessly running toward and with Jesus, not everybody is willing to do it. These people want to follow Jesus because of what he can give them and what he can do for them. I wonder, is that why you're a Christian? Because of how God will bless you and what he'll do for you and how he'll make your life easier? These people just want something from him. And then when he says, no, no, it's actually like following me. I am the one you're looking for. It's not what I can provide for you, but it's me. They're like, ah, we don't want in on that. And they turn away and leave. Not everybody's willing to recklessly run toward and with Jesus. But then he turns to his 12 disciples and he's like, do you guys want to leave too? And they're like, no, we're already invested. Like, we're running recklessly with you. We've left everything behind already. We have nothing to go back to. You're the one who has the words of life. They found it because they made that decision in the very beginning. We're going to recklessly run toward you, Jesus. We're going to do whatever it takes. And recklessly running toward him with Jesus is difficult and it's a challenge. Here's what Jesus says. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. And so this is what Jesus offers us, to die and live with him. Like to die to ourselves and live with him. If we're going to recklessly run toward Jesus and with Jesus, it means that we die to ourselves, we lay down our life, and we live for him. Not everybody wants to do that. I don't know if I should even be talking about this. This is not the way that you grow a church, right? Die to yourself, do the hard thing, be challenged. No, but this is what Jesus says. And this is what I want. I want to know Jesus and his power and his suffering so that, like him, I can live in the power of the resurrection. This is what Paul talks about. But it means that I have to recklessly run toward Jesus and with Jesus no matter what. And you showing up tonight is one of those ways that you say, okay, starting a church is going to be hard, but we're going to do it. We're going to take the challenge. I'm going to make this a priority. This is just one step in recklessly running toward and with Jesus. Now look, you've heard me say the word reckless a lot and um, this is built into this value. Why the word reckless? Why do we have to recklessly run toward Jesus and with Jesus? Can't we just calmly walk towards him or with him? Can't we just like stroll along with Jesus in the meadow? Uh, Yeah, yeah, and so it's reckless Because Jesus calls us to do some reckless things. He tells the man, sell everything you have and follow me. That's reckless. It's reckless uh, because he tells us to die to ourselves and follow him. That's not comfortable. It's reckless. It's reckless because God did this first for us. God left the power and the authority of heaven to be born of a virgin, to entrust himself with two teenage kids. That's reckless. The Savior of the world is a baby entrusted to do teenage kids? 
Mary gives birth to Jesus. They're poor. That's reckless. Why would you have your son be born into poverty? It's reckless. And then they're fugitives. They go on the run because the king wants to kill Jesus. So they're fugitives or refugees. They're like running for their life. This is reckless to be born in such a dangerous situation. But they... But God is born in this way so that he can relate, so that he can understand, so that he can look at you and I and say, yeah, same here. I get it. I understand. I've been there. I know. So Jesus is born into this reckless situation. And then he goes to the cross. The hope of the world hanging on a cross to be buried in a tomb. Nothing safe about that. It's all in. It's all out. And then he resurrects, conquering hell and death. And he gives us victory over the grave. And so if God would live so recklessly, and if, and if Jesus would describe himself as the shepherd that leaves the 99 in the open country, so the 99 sheep are not in a pen safe and sound. They're in the open country. That's reckless to leave them so that he could chase after one, so that he could chase after you and I. If Jesus would be that reckless, why would he expect us to be any less? We recklessly run toward and with Jesus because we know that when we follow him in this way, it will lead to even greater things than we could ever ask. Or imagine. So Jesus calls us to recklessly abandon ourselves and to follow him, to die to ourselves and live for him. And um, I want to talk briefly in the remaining minutes that we have about what it looks like to recklessly run toward and with Jesus. I want to give you some practical things to think through and some mindsets to have. So recklessly running toward and with Jesus, here's what it looks like. It means that you do some things you've never done before. You do the thing that scares the hell out of you, right? Because there shouldn't be any hell in you in the first place. (laughs) Uh, But you do the thing that scares you to death because you know that when you do that thing that terrifies you, it's only going to make you better. It's only going to make you greater. And so, yeah, it's easier not to, but God has not given you the spirit of fear. He's given you the spirit of power and of a sound mind. And so do the thing that terrifies you. Running recklessly toward and with Jesus means that you do what God said to do. Like, again, I, I mentioned earlier, and I was joking about it, but Jesus tells the rich young ruler exactly what he needs to do to inherit eternal life. He's not willing to do it. God tells us exactly how to live in his word. But week in and week out, people show up to church and will not give. Even though God has called us to return the tithe. Jesus, I'm going to trust you with my soul for eternity, but I'm not going to trust you with my wallet for here and now. You do what God has called you to do, which means you're generous. What it means to recklessly run toward and with Jesus means that you forgive. It means that there are people that you have a grudge with and, and maybe you don't need to go to them and say, hey, I'm sorry I've been holding on to this grudge because that's not going to be helpful. But you do some inner soul work and you say, I'm going to let this go. 
And I'm not going to live with this bitterness or resentment anymore. Doing what God calls you to do means that you serve in His church. Right? Again, there's people, God, I want to do whatever you want me to do. But I don't know about kids' ministry. Don't send me there. No, it means you do that. It means that you do the hard thing and you don't look for recognition. Well, nobody told me thank you. Nobody threw me a party. Nobody gave me a present. Okay, great. You didn't do it for, you did it for a party? You did it for a thank you? You did it for a present? You did it for recognition? Oh, don't even do it then. Right? We do it because God has said to. And we do it because we want to recklessly run toward Him and with Him. We do it because we want to become more like Him. We do it because when we do that, it leads us to something greater. So you do what God has said to do, even if it's hard or difficult. Sometimes recklessly running towards Jesus and with Jesus means that you have to stop. Because some of you are recklessly running toward and with other things. And to run recklessly toward Jesus means you got to change direction. And you've been chasing money. You've been chasing people to like you. You've been chasing popularity. You've been chasing an image. You've been chasing success. You've been chasing whatever it is. And sometimes recklessly running toward Jesus means you got to stop that and change direction. Sometimes what it means to recklessly run with Jesus means you just got to stop. Because you are go, 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 and there's no margin. There's no boundaries in your life. There's no downtime. You are ruthlessly tired all the time. And you got to say, whoa, 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 the pace of Jesus is slower than where I am. Like you're recklessly running, but you've ran past Jesus, <laughs> pursuing your own thing. And he's like, wait, I'm back here. And so sometimes you need to stop and follow him. What it means to recklessly run toward him with Jesus means that every day you evaluate your life and you say, is my life in alignment with where God is taking me? Am I walking in his footsteps? Am I doing the things his word says? Is my life in alignment with where God is leading me? Is my attitude right? Is my mindset right? Are my actions correct? Am I treating people the way he's called me to treat people? Is my life in alignment with Jesus? And so how this plays out is um, I'll, I'll give you some things to think through and just mirror. Um, if you're offended, you got to ask yourself, like, is the attitude I have if I'm offended, is that recklessly running toward him with Jesus? And if you're, if you're upset or angry about the right things, see, sometimes we get upset and angry about things that don't matter, about small things. Right? And it's like, wait, there are people who are being bought and sold in the world as property. Let's get upset about that and not because somebody said whatever on Facebook. Right? Okay, I understand you're mad about that, but let's get mad about the fact that there are people in the Hampton Roads area who are, who are going without meals because they can't afford it. And they're 
there are kids who eat because their parents choose not to eat. Let's get mad about that. And let's not get mad about somebody who didn't call you or whatever it is, right? So if I'm offended, if I'm upset about something, if I'm assuming the worst about something, I'm not recklessly running with Jesus. Are you bitter? Are you stingy? Are you selfish? Like you look at those things and those things don't describe someone who's recklessly running toward and with Jesus. Instead, if we're going to recklessly run toward and with Jesus, we say, okay, uh, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to serve. I'm going to be the least. I'm going to, I'm going to serve others. I'm going to stoop to greatness. Not to see what can I get, but what can I give? How can I help others? I'm going to love. I'm going to have joy. If I have joy, I'm running with Jesus. If I have peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, this is the fruit of the Spirit. Does my life embody these things? If not, I need to course correct because I'm not running toward Jesus. I'm running towards me. I'm running towards worry. I'm running towards fear. I'm running towards anxiety. I'm running towards something else, not Jesus. Running recklessly with Jesus means that you refuse to make excuses. It means that you take ownership of your life. Running with Jesus means that there are times where you're just still and you know that God is God and you breathe and you're present and there's this peace that all is right in the world even though everything is not right in your world. Running with Jesus means that you have margin in your life. Running with Jesus means that you live in His Word and you allow His Word to live in you. Running with Jesus means that you're passionate about some things. That you're passionate about Him. Running with Jesus means that you're so passionate about what God has done in your life. It's like a fire shut up in your bones and you can't keep it in and you got to share it with other people. Running with Jesus might mean that you look like a raving lunatic because you can't shut up about what you've experienced. You're just running and you're like, let me tell you about what I've experienced. So I wonder, does your life look like this? Or are you casually strolling in the meadow with the shepherd and he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere because we got a mission. I'm doing something. I'm trying to take you somewhere. And then you're like, wait, 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 but Jesus, what about back here? Let me show you this. Or you're like, well, hold on, wait, before I follow you, let me go do this thing. Or wait, I got some other priorities and hey, where are you going to be? I'll catch up with you later. Now, I don't know about you, I want to be the kind of person who recklessly runs toward and with Jesus in everything. So, in the way you love your spouse, in the way that you treat people, in the mindset that you have, in the way that you view work, in the way that you view the day, in everything. Man, my hope is that You'd be able to say, yeah, 
it's because I've taken this journey seriously that Jesus has me on and I'm not stopping no matter what because I'm going to run recklessly with him. So this is what it means. And I hope this is what you begin to, so tomorrow as you wake up, look at your life and see what needs to change, what direction needs to shift. Have I been running backwards? Have I been staying stagnant? Have I been moseying along? My hope is that you'd say I'm ready to recklessly run toward him and with him, no matter what the cost.